Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. TGIF, it's Friday, but holy cow, we got so much breaking news in, in the studio with us. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, and we have uh, Governor David Patterson. We have no Republicans. They all went home. They David, stayed home. David and I scared them off. Okay. Yeah, you scared them yeah. off. And uh, we got some serious breaking news on Rudy Giuliani. Uh, uh, he, he, the court awarded $148 million, $150 uh, Let's get Rudy Giuliani's uh, reaction first. And yeah. I understand we have... Doug Burns is going to... Uh, Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor, okay. is joining us Give first. Us yeah, first. Let's, let's hear Rudy's uh, comment. Uh, of course, there's very, very little I can say right now. I have to analyze this. Obviously, possibly we'll move for a new trial. Certainly we'll appeal. The absurdity of the number merely underscores the absurdity of the entire proceeding where I've not been allowed to offer one single piece of evidence in defense, of which I have a lot. So I am quite confident when this case gets before a fair tribunal, it'll be reversed so quickly, it'll make your head spin. And the absurd number that just came in will help that, actually. Wow. And joining us now to talk about all of this big breaking news, former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Uh, Doug, your reaction to what has just come down? Well, first of all, you know, this wasn't a trial. He was defaulted, and that's very, very important. So that's sort of the first part of what uh, Mayor Giuliani is saying. In Ex- other words, explain in what that means. Yeah, in other words, he was not, <laughs> he was, he did not have his day in court uh, for a trial on the question of liability. He was defaulted because the court felt that he didn't comply with court order. So the glimmer of hope there legally would be that an appellate court would say, that's really not fair. You did it too quickly, uh, Mr. Trial Judge, and I'm remanding it for a trial. That's one thing he, he is hoping will happen. The other point, obviously, is on the damages. There's good news and bad news for him. The good news is he's right. The numbers are staggering. $75 million in punitive damages. You know, Judge Weinberg, of course, and others know that that's often cut way, way back. That's the good news. But the bad news is on the actual defamation itself, the jury returned a number of 16 million. Um, you know, that's a tough, tough number as well. So his two glimmers of hope to repeat broken record are new trial because he was defaulted too quickly and, and go from there. And um, let me ask you, what do you think as you bring up these points, what do you think his chances are of appeal and what kind of time frame is that, Doug Burns? Well, it's hard to handicap the odds always on appeals, but it does behoove me to say that, unfortunately for him, um, you know, the affirmance rates are way, way higher than reversals. But you never know in this high profile of a case. And then as far as the timetable, you know, eight months, you know, nine months, something like that. Well, Doug, thank you so much. I mean, I think uh, what they're trying to do, my opinion, is just to stir the pot and throw as much mud into the system as possible to make him uh, look bad. Governor Patterson, any comments? I get the feeling that they will um, affirm the decision but lower the price to the $16 million that the jury picked. You know, I think that's very uh, sound analysis, Governor. Uh, could be. And uh, Thanks, Judge Doug. Weinberg? I, I agree with Doug and, and the Governor. 
All right. Thank you very much, Doug. Have a great weekend. Yeah, Doug, thank you, you for joining you us. John and Rita. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you now, very much. There's another comment made by one of our uh, uh, international uh, uh, friends that reports on Sundays to us. Yep, Mario. From Mario Economo. Uh, let's hear that comment. What else is going on uh, with uh, uh, interest rates? Uh, I understand uh, Russia has increased their central bank rate to what, 16% or something? Yeah, we need to stop focusing on all these uh, horror stories that people keep discussing with respect to Russia. Russia. Russia has essentially won the war in the Ukraine. Everything that's happening now is just uh, prolonging the pain and the suffering of the Ukrainian men and women at this point who are actually fighting on the front line. We need to uh, we need to actually sit down and speak to the Russians. I'm not sure what the Europeans are doing and what they're thinking. The idea that the Europeans believe they can actually wage any type of a war against the Russians is absurd at best. Um, we know that in Germany, the uh, chancellor there is uh, actually in very, very deep trouble with respect to his uh, polling numbers. And if we look at what, what used to be the eastern part of Germany, the AFD, which is the far-right party, is polling at 32%. They're essentially in first place. So well, uh, the I reality mean, is... You, you can make some breaking news. I mean, in your opinion, in your opinion, Russia has won the war, and the, the story is how do we uh, settle things down? Well, the, the, the story is that Russia has won the war. Now what we need to do is what I said about 15 months ago. Uh, when I suggested that everybody sit down and speak to the Russians, because at this point, everything that uh, President Putin and Russia have taken, they will not return. And if they keep pushing westward, the more land they take, the less they're going to be prepared to give back. So there is an opportunity now. They're probably going to lose 25 percent of their land. If everybody decides to dig their heels in and try to fight a war that they're not going to win, Ukraine could actually lose more land. And I can't stress this enough, but Americans need to understand there is no large standing army in Europe that can go and fight the Russians. Wow. That is huge. That is a huge story. Uh, You only hear it on WABC because everybody else will tell you what they want you to hear. Yeah, I just want to repeat what we just heard, too, John, because he said that he believes that Russia has already won the war that Ukraine has lost. That's a big deal, John. And don't forget, President Biden is not, you know, they they haven't been forthcoming with more, more weapons. And every time we give them more weapons, who knows what happens? They have Well, let me just tell you, it's been drip, drip, drip. You're right. We don't know what the accounting is. And I contend, Judge Weinberg, this is exactly what he is doing now with Israel. And and right now he is he is sidestepping Israel. He's slamming Israel. He's criticizing them. And he's putting them, I think, in a quagmire, just like he has done with Ukraine. I agree with you. Let's go. You have uh, one of you. Uh, As a matter of fact, today I read Governor? that the White House has advised the Ukraine to start talk, thinking about peace talks with Russia. How do you have peace talks when you're being overrun and you can't stop them? You have nothing well, to negotiate I, with. I, before we get everybody else on, I'm going to give you. I started to smell a rat when President Biden told the Ukrainians, you are not allowed to uh, uh, do war on Russian soil. In other words, the only place you can do and pe- do your research. He actually said that 
You only do a war on Ukrainian soil. I mean, Russia is a quasi-ally. Well, you know, uh, well, by the way, you know what I smelled a rat, John, when they said we're going to get some F-15s. Guess what? They haven't gotten it to them. All right. I mean, are let's you kidding get, me? Let's, let's go, go to, to KT. Yep, we've got KT McFarland, of course, a former <laughs> national, deputy national security advisor there in the Trump administration. KT, um, are we sort of setting have up a quagmire? Have, have, we, have we cut through all the crap? Yeah, have we summed it up, KT? We're on fire today. Stalemate. You know, Russia's not going to win. Ultimately, I don't think Ukraine has a chance of winning, but Russia can keep fighting as long as energy prices remain high. They've got the income to either buy weapons from somebody else or to keep fighting. Um but the idea that Russia's going to win, I mean, I'm not sure what win means anymore. Well, that's the, the question. Is, yeah, that's the that's question. question. Right. What is win win? And, and why did Biden tell him, tell the Ukrainians they can't fight on Russian soil? Look, look, the problem was all along that the Biden administration was encouraging Ukraine to say, you're going to win. You're going to push Russia out of your territory. We're behind you. You can win this thing. But anybody who looks at the geography and the numbers and the industrial base and all the rest, has to conclude that ultimately Ukraine isn't going to win. You know, it's a much smaller country, doesn't have the resources, it doesn't have the military. In a war of attrition, who wins? It's the big dog that wins, not the little dog. But you know the problem is, too, KT, the problem is, too, is that he didn't give them the ammunition to win. I hear what you're saying geographically, but there's two problems. You know, I would love for Ukraine to win. I mean, I think it's it's horrible what happened with Russia going in. You know, my father's Polish, so I get it. We are right there on the border, you know. Um, So I want Ukraine to win. I contend, and and you know, the Polish... Uh, president and the prime minister visited Ukraine and said, we're going to send you the MiGs. Guess what happened? U.S. said, no, you're not going to send the MiGs. The U.S. was making Ukraine fight with one hand tied behind their back from the beginning. And that's shameful. Don't you dare go on Russian soil. Yeah. And that combo, too. And KT, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back. My Hi. problem, my problem here is you've encouraged Russian aggression. Who's next? And what kind of message is sending out well, worldwide? The same thing, wait, wait. The same thing's happening in Israel. Exactly. Tell, tell right us, now. You talk yeah, about right it. now, KT, and you know this, we have heard in the last 24 hours, uh, comments from Biden directly and others saying, you know what? Um, you know, you should uh, diminish civilian casualties. Of course we want to diminish civilian casualties. Israel's been very careful, much more careful, by the way, than most people who are engaged in a fight against terrorism. And then they're still talking about this two-state solution with the Palestinian Authority, which still has not denounced Hamas. So, I, I mean, he seems like he's putting them in a quagmire now, too. You know, we don't do very well when we order other countries how to fight their wars. And we really don't do well when we tell them what kind of governments to establish after the war, whether it's in Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam. And now that we're telling the Israelis, well, after the fighting, you know, post Hamas, this is the kind of government you're going to have. It's going to be a two-state solution, yada, yada, yada. Look, let the countries in the region solve the problem. It's not ours to solve. And, and again, our track record is really pretty lousy. But to go back to Ukraine for a minute, on one hand, the Biden administration was urging Ukraine, don't settle, keep fighting, keep going. You're going to get Crimea back. And yet, as you point out, they promised a lot of weapons, which they didn't deliver. or They slow walk delivery on. So on one hand, you're saying don't settle. We're going to help you. But then we're not really helping them. So we're putting Ukraine in this awful position. I, I mean, I, I think that at this point, find a peace agreement somehow. Some, nobody's going to get everything they want. And everybody's going to get maybe just enough to live with. 
But Ukraine can't win this war, but Ukraine can win the peace. And here's how they win the peace. After the fighting stops, a trillion dollars is going to rush in to rebuild Ukraine, Western companies, countries. And so within a couple of years after the fighting stops, Ukraine will be fully integrated into the European economy, just like Poland is now. Ukraine will be a superstar economically. Meanwhile, five years after the fighting stops, where's Russia? It's probably broke because hopefully energy prices are getting... Well, it depends who's president. If, if energy prices are 50 bucks a, a, a barrel or 55, they're broke. If energy they're prices totally are 100, they're rich. Totally. And if you look, John, at the history of Russia and the Soviet Union, every time oil prices have been high, Russians have rebuilt their military, fought a proxy war somewhere in the world, and invaded their major? Why are not the major channels uh, saying this? Well, it's because the Biden administration has a very different plan. They think we should not have American fossil fuels. We should not have American oil and natural gas. If anything, the Biden administration is busy telling you we're going to cut energy production in half. We're not going to use any of these things that we have that would be to our great economic advantage and to our great national security advantage. They bought into this myth that somehow we're all going to have one and we're going to just get rid of fossil fuels day after tomorrow. And we're going to all be with renewables. The infrastructure isn't there. KT, it's going to be there for a decade. Thank you, KT. We love you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, let's uh, let's get on again next week and find out where the heck we are with uh, uh, on this uh, this supposed war. Thank you so much, KT. Thanks Thank so much. Wow. And uh, now we have uh, calling in with some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. Uh, John, you have some interesting details as to what the House inquiry, the impeachment inquiry into Biden is looking into. Fill us in. Yeah, this is very important. We've known now for quite some time that though Joe Biden told us in 2019 and 2020, his family never got money from China. At least $9 million flowed from China into his family's coffers uh, uh, between 2017 and 2018. Now, uh, the uh, story is, well, yeah, they started to do some consulting work in 2017, and these payments came in first, a $3 million payment, then a $5 million loan, then a $1 million legal retainer. Congress has now gotten a significant body of evidence, some of it from the IRS whistleblowers, some of it from Hunter Biden's laptop, some of it from two of Hunter Biden's direct business partners that actually say or show that the deal with this energy company, CFC Chinese Energy, actually occurred in 2015 and 2016 while Joe Biden was still president. They were doing the work, vice president, I'm sorry, uh, they were still doing the work, but they deferred the payment until Joe Biden was out of office so it wouldn't raise suspicions that a vice president's family was in business with a communist Chinese company. These are some pretty significant documents, including testimony from two of Hunter Biden's business partners. Wait, I have a question, John. How did they know that he deferred it? Was there something in writing? Is there testimony? How did they know that they waited till he was after leaving the office as vice president? Well, yeah, but was there something in writing saying they intentionally did it? That's what I'm curious. There is it. Uh, well, there is in writing, there is uh, an email from the spring of 2016 showing that the deal was consummated. Uh, the, 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 the delay on payments comes from three different testimonies. One of them is from Tony Bobolinsky, one of Hunter Biden's business partners, who said he attended a meeting in 2017 as this money was about to change hands. And he was told uh, during that time frame that this was actually for work that the Bidens had done. Uh, back in 2015 in 2016. So he attends a meeting as he's coming into the partnership and they tell him that. Now, 
In addition to that, both whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and uh, Joe Ziegler, the two IRS whistleblowers that made so much news over the summer, they have told Congress in their most recent testimony released this week that they also had evidence that this money really was for 2015 and 16 uh, and that the payments simply were deferred until Joe Biden was out of office. I'll read you one of the quotes because you'll get a sense of why it is that they um, thought that this was uh, a delayed payment. Uh, This comes directly from James Comer, who actually did an interview with us last night. It's a pretty simple thing. Um, uh, They they knew they weren't supposed to be negotiating with the Chinese while you're a sitting vice president. So uh, that was a given. So uh, even as it's arrogant and entitled that they knew they were going to be, they couldn't do the negotiating, so they delayed the payments until later. That comes from James Comer. Similar statements from the two IRS whistleblowers. Uh, and even a statement from James Biden to the FBI, now public, saying, yeah, we were helping the Chinese back in 15 and 16, and we knew that this company was tied directly to President Xi, the communist leader of China. Very interesting. John, that's fascinating. That's uh, very, very interesting, and especially the delay of payments. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, chess players on that uh, board, and we got to figure <laughs> out if they're going to ever put them together that's right. right. Look. Uh, Constitution of American, uh, American Constitution says innocent to proven guilty. Let's not be as guilty as the other side and, and just make people guilty. Right. And, um, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it develops. Yeah. You know what I'm curious, yeah. John, too, is where this is going with the contempt of Congress. Because first off, that seems like it's first on deck. And we have heard that the GOP is moving forward. I also want to hear your thoughts, John Solomon, on the issue of uh, potential obstruction, because this was fascinating. Jonathan Turley yeah. said, because we heard Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, yes. said, oh, yeah, President Biden conferred with his son when he stood on the other side of Congress yes. the other day and yeah. thumbed his nose at the subpoena. You know, he's supposed to testify. That's pretty yeah. clear cut. And now Jonathan Turley has said, well, maybe the president participated in obstructing Congress. That is interesting and impeachable. Yeah, that's exactly what Jonathan Turley, and you explained it so well. Uh, Hunter Biden had an obligation to comply with the subpoena. We know that because Joe Biden said back in 2021, if anyone doesn't comply with the January 6th committee uh, 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 subpoenas, they should be prosecuted. That was the president's own words back then. Now his son is trying to evade that sort of responsibility. And the idea that the two were talking about it and aware of what was going to be said before it happened, that gives rise to Jonathan Turley's arguments. I'm going to tell you a witness to keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks. His name is Rob Walker. He's one of the business partners in my story today, in the documents that I've been able to get a hold of that are part of the impeachment inquiry. Rob Walker dropped a bombshell on the FBI back in 2020. He said that he believed that Joe Biden, while still vice president in 2016, met with the CEFC China officials uh, that would further uh, the narrative that maybe the Bidens were doing the work and Joe Biden was in on it, but they had to defer the payments to later. The FBI never followed up on that information. They, they just noted in the interview. They never follow up on it. James Comer told me last night he is going to get the information from Rob Walker. Rob Walker becoming a far more important witness in the next couple of weeks. The biggest problem I think we have, uh, this is going to become a constitutional crisis because yeah. the Bidens have no intention, I believe, of complying with any of the Supreme Court. I mean, uh, President Biden has gone f- forward on the, the student loans. He's gotten, uh, you know, nobody has any intention of following Congress, Senate, 
or student loans or or the Supreme Court? Is this going yeah. to be a constitutional crisis? You you are you are uh, right over the target. Many of the members of Congress I've talked to say, "Listen, we know what we're going to do. We're going to find go to court. We're going to find them in contempt. We don't think the Justice Department will back us up like they went after Steve Bannon." So some members of Congress are talking about some unique things, like creating the recreating the old congressional brig. There used to be a jail in Congress, and then Congress would send its marshal out separate of the Justice Department and arrest a Hunter Biden or another recalcitrant witness and hold them in the congressional jail until they uh, complied with the subpoena. Those sort of discussions are literally going on on Capitol Hill. Now, we're a long way from that. But, John, I think you're exactly right. Members of Republican members of Congress believe the Bidens will play the rope-a-dope, the old Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope, and try to keep Hunter Biden away. And you're thinking of some alternatives right now. We'll have to see where it goes. John Solomon, thank you very much for all this big news. We will keep an eye on it. Great to have you, and have a good weekend, John. You as well. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Constitutional crisis, right? God, I think we're closer to that than anything else. It's possible. What do you think, uh, David? You know, when you're in public office, even at the lower levels, you just have to be very careful about everything you do. And the oldest trick in the book is to do someone a favor and get paid for it down the road. Now, I'm not saying I know that that's what they did, but that's what the accusation is. And there are too many people who get into offices, particularly who are people who are related to people who are in office, who just don't know where that boundary is. Absolutely. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're coming back with Larry Kudlow. Where's the economy? With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us today is Larry Kudlow and uh, the country's leading economist, the number one show on CNBC and the number one show on WABC on Saturdays. Uh, well, Larry, what the heck is going on? The market has gone up seven weeks in a row. Fox, John. Fox. Not CNBC. Fox. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. We, we're going to strike, 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 strike that. Strike that off the clip. Strike that. Now, it is 
Now it is the number one show. On Fox, Fox Business, and, it is the number and, one show. And CNBC and Bloomberg, not that anyone cares. And worldwide in the whole solar system. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the market was up another 1,000 points this week. Enjoy. Interest rates are down. Stocks are up. The Cudlow Trust is doing very well. I've forgotten what it feels like to have a good stock market. So just enjoy. Enjoy. That's all I can say. <laughs> How long it's going to last, who knows? doesn't matter. Sit back and relax. And it goes to show you why you should always be uh, invested. Like, I always own the uh, S&P index, the spiders, uh, or you could buy the ETFs, whatever. They're real cheap because, you know, you if you're not in them, you'll miss rallies like this. And this is a splendid rally, and it's based on falling interest rates. So enjoy. It's a wonderful thing. Wealth creation is a wonderful thing. 150 million investors did very well the last uh, six or seven weeks. It's a wonderful thing. Why is there such arguments amongst the Fed themselves? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what the argument is inside. I mean, I think these guys... Uh, probably are suggesting that they're going to move faster to lower their target rate uh, than they actually are going to move. I mean, the market is now pricing in seven rate cuts on the Fed funds policy rate. You're not going to get seven rate cuts next year. You're not. Uh, Their own internal numbers suggest uh, three or four rate cuts. I I don't even know if you'll get that. John Williams the president of the New York Fed, where I started my career 50 years ago, he said, hold on a second, you're going too fast. But really, this was not, this rally is not a function of the Fed. This was a function of the decline in 10-year bond yields, which went from over 5% of five, six, seven weeks ago to now less than four think the bond uh, finished about 390 or 392. And it's interesting, too. Energy prices are down and commodity indexes are also down while interest rates are down. There's a little bit of deflation in the air. And you know what? The Fed should not be scared of deflation because Biden and the Fed have given us high inflation for three years. So if prices fell for a change, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And the economy will be much slower next year. But it doesn't matter. This is a situation where be glad you're invested. And for those people that think they can outguess the market on a daily or weekly basis, this is a good lesson why you can't. This is a good lesson why passive investing always does better than active investing, with very few exceptions. Understood. Now, uh, what else would you like to tell the American people as far as uh, 2024 elections. I mean, uh, they're very hazy. It looks like uh, Trump uh, will have it locked in. Rudy Giuliani, I mean, he got uh, kicked this uh, this afternoon. He got another $150 million judgment. Um, you tell us. Well, I can't speak to the Rudy thing. I, I don't, that broke actually while our show was going on. Um, Trump is the prohibitive front runner in the primaries. He will win the primaries, in my opinion. His court cases are going to be pushed way back. Special counsel Jack Smith made a big mistake rushing off to the Supreme Court 
uh, for presidential immunity and related matters. But that's fine because this is phony baloney anyway. Joe Biden wants to lock Trump up for 750 years. Not going to happen. But he's the prohibitive favorite. And he's actually, you know, uh, he's ahead in the polls against Biden. He's winning in the swing states uh, by, depends, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points. He's winning nationwide. So I'd say he's got better than 50-50 chance right now to be the next president. But he's the prohibitive frontrunner. The Iowa caucuses, um, they're coming up. I think it was it less than 30 days, something like that. And New Hampshire will follow quickly. And hopefully we can, you know, get all that uh, out of the way. And then Trump can just uh, aim all his guns on Joe Biden, who's made a complete hash of it. I mean, look, today you've got this whole story about the 10 IEDs that were found on the Mexican-U.S. border. 10 IEDs, okay? And these Democrats are negotiating in the Senate with Jim Langford, Senator Langford, who was on our show last night, uh, and they can't make a deal. And they should be trumped up. They should build the wall. They should go back to remain in Mexico. They should go back to Title 42 because there's so many diseases that can come across the border. They need to secure the border. They need to restore sovereignty. This is going to be a very key point in these elections. Uh, Biden has made a hash of it, just like he's made a hash of it in the Middle East, just like he's now trying to micromanage the uh, Israeli IDF because they try to wipe out Hamas. He's renovated Iran, which is a terrible idea. He cut and ran against Afghanistan, which was a terrible idea. I mean, he's got a lot of problems out there. And I think Trump right now is in very good shape. These are polls, not votes. I get that. They're snapshots of what folks are thinking. But I think people would like to see a little peace and prosperity. That's what I think. And they'd like to see what I call Trump tough. Trump tough on the border. Trump tough in the Middle East. Trump tough with China. Uh, And Trump tough with drill, baby, drill. All these things, these chickens are coming home to roost. And I have a feeling that Trump's polls being so uh, doing so well is one of the factors behind this stock market rally in the last six or seven weeks. It could be. It could be the anticipation of a Trump Trump administration. That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> well, thank you, Larry. And we'll be listening tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. <clears throat> yeah, 10 to 10, noon. 10 o'clock to 1, oh, 1 o'clock. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. WABCradio.com yeah. worldwide. And on don't your iPhone. Me, don't give me 10 to 2. I'll never make it. Yeah. 10 to 1. <laughs> 10, 10 to 1. Thanks. That's enough. Thanks, Larry. Let's take a break. And uh, when we come back, we have uh, Maisie Phillip. This is the new GOP nominee for the George Santos seat. She's going to join us. Can't wait for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, there's a new candidate to fill in uh, George Santos's seat. Her name is Monsi Philip 
a Republican leader uh, in Nassau County, uh, and uh, uh, she's uh, been nominated or, or by the Republican Party uh, to run for the Congress seat of George Santos. And uh, good morning, uh, Nazi. Tell us uh, what's, uh, what, what's going on in Nassau County. Thank you, John. We are very excited. Nassau County is very excited for, for the special election that's going to take place uh, February 13. Uh, we had our opening uh, this noon, and we were very excited. I saw the support. People are with me. Everybody feeling the energy. It feels good. I'm very excited to serve the third congressional uh, districts, and uh, I'm very thankful that the Republican Party and the Conservative Party gave me the opportunity to run for Congress. Uh, I think a lot of people are happy. Uh, they want just somebody with common sense, and uh, uh, they want to keep Nassau County safe. Uh, give us your your big picture of you just ran for another uh, uh, seat. Tell us what you stand for, because I think the people in Nassau County overall would like to know what you stand for. Oh, definitely. First of all, you know, as I said, we are very excited, and it's all about the people, uh, serving the people. And the Nassau County people want a good government, and Republicans want to secure our borders, and uh, public safety is very important, lowering taxes is very important, supporting Israel is very important, uh, to improve our economy is very important. Uh, that is, those are the issues that we will be focusing, and I was very happy uh, to be able, um, um, you know, to go to Washington very soon and to be the voice for the people. Uh, that is uh, certainly uh, what the people of Nassau County want. They, they want to feel safe. They want the United States to be safe. And, uh, and um, that's common sense. Um, what else would you like to tell the people of Nassau County and Queens County, which your district is part of? You know, um, I don't know how much you know about my, my story. You know, I was born in Tell Ethiopia. us about your story. Tell us your background. Yes. So I was born in Ethiopia in a small village when I was 12 years old and in the middle of the Civil War. United States and Israel uh, came together with plan to rescue about uh, 14,000 Ethiopian Jews and 36 hours, and I was one one of the that person uh, who arrived in 1991 in the middle of civil war to Israel for uh, a better life, uh, for uh, more opportunities. Um, I finished my high school. I served in the IDF uh, almost uh, two years, and then right after um, I did my degrees. I did my master's degree in diplomacy and security. And then about 17 years ago, I met my husband in Israel, and uh, we came here. I live in Great Neck. I have seven children. I, I got involved in politics because I wanted to make sure um, this beautiful country that gave me the opportunity um, to, to live a comfortable life and uh, to send to my kids to good school um, and to even to be elected the county legislator for the 10 districts. Uh, all those opportunities I received, I want to make sure my children, my grandchildren, will continue to have. We have a beautiful country, and we all should be very much appreciative. And government is all about people, and I want to be that person. I'm not, I'm not a typical politician. I'm a person of action. I like to make sure things are done. I don't like just to talk. And this was, I was this is what I was doing the last two years as a county legislator, and people have a... 
uh, you know, uh, trust in me, and I'm very excited to, to be the voice for the American people. America has been good for me, as I said, and I want to give back. Understood. You want to, the same reasons I'm working so hard at the age of 75, I want my children, you want your seven children and grandchildren to come to have a better life in the United States. And what, what's happening right now is they're trying to ruin our country, and, and I applaud to what you want to do. And uh, God bless you, and uh, God bless America, and I hope you uh, succeed in helping our children. Thank you. Thank you so much. As you said, we all appreciate the United States of America, and we have to support our law enforcement. They are here to protect our communities, and we have to be very thankful, and we have to work with them because safety is number one concern for Nassau County residents. Agreed. But thank you. GOP chairman in Nassau County uh, did a great job helping select you. Uh, I, w- I want to commend Joe Cairo for doing a great job selecting you and God bless you again. God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. God bless America. Thank you. Wow. Great to hear from her. And, uh, John, I love to see a woman who served in the IDF and uh, she's Ethiopian born sure. Jew. She, what a great background. One tough gal. What a great background. Love she's that. One tough gal. You love like that. tough women, uh, uh, governor? Well, uh, after seven children, she can still, uh, run for office and, and surprise everyone winning. 2021, I would have to say everybody should beware that she's a real uh, threat to win this seat and continue um, the victories that the Republicans had with the phony candidate, this time with a real candidate. And by the way, speaking of tough, uh, Governor Patterson, before we bring in Steve Kate, you got to tell us the story real quick about the uh, power outage. There where was you a got power stuck. outage in New York last night at 11.55. Now, do you know how I know? I I was on the air last night. And we the had, computers went down. The computers went down. Suddenly, we couldn't go to callers, and we figured it out later. And Apparently, the phones went out. Yeah, the phones went out. <laughs> now, let me ask you a silly question. How much doesn't, money do you want to borrow? Doesn't Verizon, <laughs> doesn't Verizon have a backup system of their own? You would think. You what would do you think. think, Governor? Well, they probably do, but they didn't transfer over. In other words, you know, it was 1155. Everybody was listening to, to Rita Cosby on the radio, and they didn't uh, see that the power had gone out. Right. That's true. They were so captivated <laughs> by the show. Now, you were captivated earlier, right? Because you got stuck in an elevator. Early in the evening, I, I, uh, Anthony uh, and I both work here. We went home, and we go into our apartment building, and... Uh, and someone stuck in the elevator. We're down there for like 10 minutes. And he said, the only way you're going to get up is to walk up the stairs 36 flights. And I had two back procedures last week. And when I got 36 flights, 36 Yikes. flights, there were some other t- uh, tenants walking up with us. And I ran the New York City Marathon. It was easy compared to what happened last night. Oh, my 36 gosh. flights. <laughs> wow. The last blackout I had, I walked up like 14 flights. I walked up one time. And I was 20 years younger. I walked up 70 (laughs) flights one time, and I was like, okay, I'm taking a break. I wish there had been like a mini bar somewhere along the way. (laughs) I understand there's other stuff going on in the solar system. The the, the sun is emitting some very powerful rays, and let's find out. They've knocked out some radio stations already. Uh, Let's find out. Uh, Dr. Uh, Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, you're on with Frank Morano all the time. You're on with me on Sundays. Uh, Tell us, what the heck is going on? What's going on out there? Well, good evening, John, to the studio audience and the listeners. This is amazing. The most powerful solar flare in six years has just blasted off the sun 
And I'm not surprised because we're in the throes of Sunspot Cycle 25. And what are these flares, just so people know? When we find these magnificent large sunspot groups, by the way, the group that's caused the solar flare, astronomers call it Active Region 3514. If you go to a website like spaceweather.com, you can see it on the far right side of the sun. That's the good news. But what happened on the 14th is this flare on the X scale. In other words, the X scale of solar flares is the highest level. They start off with A, B, C, M, and then go to X. But what's interesting about this, what are flares? Those magnetic fields in sunspots, when they flip, is if you took your fingers and interlaced them and just bent them around, you get billions of times more massive energy than like the Hiroshima atomic bomb. Now, not to alarm people, this is something that sends out something in space called a coronal mass ejection. So what we could see in the next two nights over the good part of North America and South, in South America is the northern and southern lights. They call it a geomagnetic storm. But the thing I'm really concerned about, John, this is interesting. If we talk about the most powerful one ever, back in 1859, they called it the Carrington event. Allegedly, it was like an X-45. This one yesterday was an X-2.8. Now, here's my big concern. When we get this thing called a kill shot, where it directly is in the center of the sun that hits us directly, my concern is that it could be misconstrued as maybe a foreign adversary having launched a electromagnetic, you know, pulse weapon into the atmosphere. And let's hope that all, you know, heads would be, you know, be cool. Heads would prevail that, you know, we wouldn't want to go to a nuclear war because a lot of people are not watching this. The sun, John, is continuing to blow these flares out and probably bigger ones. to Well, we do have the CCP and the KGB listening to this show all the time. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, uh, You know, please report back. That it's a solar flare. It's not. Right. The, it's not the geese flying over from Russia like Gorbachev <laughs> personally told me at dinner. And Wait, what did they tell you at dinner about yeah, geese? Gorbachev, yes. But what did what did he do? We had geese? a national emergency with Ronald Reagan, right? And it, it turned out uh, they used the the red phone and they calmed things down because we went to uh, sitcom sitcom. Three, three, two, one. Right. Right. And because we, our radar showed there's, there's stuff coming over. And it was geese. It was geese. Well, it was, exactly. so, wow. Wow. That, and I, and now it gives new meaning right. to flipping the bird. All right. All right. All right. As long as the KGB reports back and the CCP reports back. As long as they approve. Governor Patterson, what do you think? I think that they've caused us so much trouble that we should attack the sun. That's what I think we should do. <laughs> there you go, Governor. Thank you. Thank idea. you, Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> what an idea, Governor. And that would it. reduce global warming, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, we can't we're breathe. Good. Remember, we're not allowed to breathe. That was a new <laughs> study. Dr. Sky, uh, thank you very much, uh, Steve Cates. And uh, you'll be on my Sunday show, Cats Roundtable. So everybody tune in on uh, Sunday morning between 8 and 10 on the Cats Roundtable. Dr. Sky will give us further reports. Thank you, Dr. Look forward Scott. to it. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holiday. Happy Thank holiday. Thank you, Dr. Sky. Let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we can, uh, I can't even pronounce his name. I That's can your pronounce department. his name. I'm a good pronouncer, right? It's Shahar Azani, and he is a former Israeli spokesman. Some huge news coming out of Israel, and he's going to tell us all about it when we come back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, it looks like the United States, by way of Biden and others, are saying, you know, go slow, Israel, scolding Israel, also talking about this two-state solution. And wait a minute, Palestinian Authority, they haven't even, many of them, condemned Hamas. How are you going to defy that? And how are you going to tell another country like Israel what to do? So what is Israel uh, planning to do now. Well, joining us is the former Israeli consulate spokesman, our friend Shahar Azani. Uh, Shahar, I, I find it really shocking. I guess I shouldn't say shocking, but here it's an American president telling Israel what to do and already talking about this two-state solution with people who haven't even condemned Hamas. Uh, what What no. is Israel saying? You know, Rita, first of all, thank you again for having me. I, I've just returned from Israel where I saw firsthand the Holocaust, the atrocities perpetrated by this evil filth of an organization, Hamas, targeting the innocent in the most vile of ways. And um, the truth is exactly like you're saying, we have a Palestinian entity whose leaders are not only, Rita, not condemning what Hamas did. One of their own, Jibril Rajoub, came out in support of that massacre, praising that act of quote-unquote resistance and expressing hope that such a thing will take place in Judea and Samaria, also known as the West Bank. In addition, we've just seen the the poll conducted in the West Bank by Khalil Shekaki, a major pollster, according to which 70% of Palestinians support terror against Israel, 82% support the actual October 7th massacre and overall support for Hamas is not only not not is it not diminishing it's increasing so who exactly is going to manage any kind of territory adjacent to Israel and in what hallucination is the Israeli people and government will renounce control of any territory to such a danger again as we've experienced in October 7th by giving up the Gaza Strip and you saw exactly what was the result of that action. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, we're talking to the former Israeli consulate spokesman, Shahar Azani, Judge Weinberg. Shahar, welcome back to the show. Let me tell you what Thank troubles you. me. They've already said when Hamas launched this a terrible attack, they already said they're going to do it over and over and All over right. again. So what does the Biden administration think they're doing? So let's say Israel stopped right now and then went back over the lines, back into Israel, left Gaza alone. What do you think would happen? They keep using it as a base for terrorism. Why was there a boycott of uh, by Israel and by Egypt? Because they were moving in weaponry. So what, does, by, what world is the Biden administration living in? And you know the other thing, too, Judge Weinberg, how dangerous that is for America. It's not just dangerous. We should pray that Israel wipes out Hamas and do everything we can to help them, Shahar. And we will. And look what happened, Shamar, look what happened, the, the arrest they just made in Europe, where you had Hamas operatives wanted to go after innocent people in Europe. These people have no boundaries. The world has to understand that this is a threat to Western civilization. And, and you know, Judge and Rita, it's not just what we're saying here. Hamas leaders in Gaza, people like Mahmoud Zahar and others, have announced in their own voice in Arabic that their goal is exactly like the World Jihadi Organization. This is an ISIS-style organization, not only through its deeds, but its intentions. And exactly like you said, we've seen networks of these operatives in Europe, 
And we have to be very wary about those networks and those who support them. If we want to look again at those pro-terror mobsters out there on the streets who cover up their faces like Egyptian mummies so that we're unable to identify them and their malintentions. And there is also an overarching question here because we can't go back to the same old slogans of October 6th. There has to be a point when the Palestinian people must be accountable for themselves. It takes two to tango. It's not just a question of leadership. The Palestinians need to grow up and start working in order to achieve some sort of sustainable solution for them, or otherwise it's not incumbent upon Israel, the United States, or any other element to solve their problems for them. If they are breeding a society in which such a holocaustic massacre is being praised, that there is something inherently wrong in the very core of Palestinian society and people. Yeah, absolutely. We need to look into the education there. You know, the one thing I feel is such a lost opportunity, Shaharazani, here is American leadership. It should step in and find those in the Palestinian population who don't support Hamas and get them to rise up and embolden them. They're doing nothing to do that. And that is a travesty for the world. It's probably hard to do that when they're outnumbered as much as they are in their own land. Yeah, and it, by the way, and there are, there are issues there, that, uh, physically where they are, but we have not even made an effort. It doesn't look like to tap into that, Governor, and that to me is a big problem. Shahar? There has to be a demand of Palestinian leadership and society to take, to refrain, like you said, Rita, the education for hatred. We found Mein Kampf Hitler books within schools in Hamas controlled Gaza. We know that they're breeding another generation of holocaustic mindset within youth. You know, these are people, children who grew up and were born after the signing of the Oslo Accords. And look at the horrendous results we're seeing in Gaza. These demands have to be made now of the Palestinians and of anyone else who supports such a, such a path, because this will be a no-go for Israel. Israel will never go back to the October 6th situation because we believe when they tell us who they are. Absolutely. Shahar, thank you very much. And we're thank praying you. for Israel. For we always pray for Israel always. Now, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and America. America. God bless America. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.